Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Before we kick off this podcast, big shout out to Kent CBD. As you guys know by now, I'm a huge advocate for CBD, whether it's for your mental health or whether it's for your relaxation, whether it's for your aches and pains within your muscles and joints. You want to get rid of that inflammation, whatever. Use CBD. And what I use is Kent CBD. I use the oil for my mental health. I also use the muscle rubs for the aches and pains within my ligaments, muscles and joints. Especially my knees and my ankles because they are fucked. But yeah, make sure you check it out. And when you get there, go into the promo code bit at the checkout and put in Granite Zero. All one word, Granite Zero. Get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. Now, joining to me today is a British Army veteran. South African born, now living in New Zealand, legend. He's an author. He's a writer. He's a father. He's a husband. And he's just an overall absolute fucking diamond of a bloke. So please check it out this episode with the great and powerful Neville Johnson. Welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Check it out. Big Nev, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you, man. And like I said before I hit record, fantastic moustache. You have gone full Magnum PI on that one. I have. I have, yeah. But my wife keeps telling me I look like Freddie Mercury, so I'm not sure. Is that a bad thing? Um, I can't sing. Can't sing. You could try. When I'm sober, I can't sing. When I... I had a, uh, a few cups of coffee in me. Yeah, I can. You're doing the housework. Can't help it with the Hoover oh, yeah. and that. Doing the housework, <laughs> doing the housework. There's a honest, music video of, of Queen and yeah. them all doing the vacuum. I think there is. Yeah, there is, mate. As soon as it comes on, it's got to be done. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to break free. To be fair, like I keep, I keep saying to my missus that I'm just going to go full moustache because that's like the best facial hair that I could grow is my tash. The rest of it is all patchy and shit. The moustache. Like, just before, when it was Movember, I'm, I I got fucking moustache waxed a lot and I was trying to do the old handlebar the style. Yeah, Twisting yeah. it out. I, I, I did it the one day, came home, and she was like, you can't do that. So no, like, we've got no. kids and you've got to go and pick them up from school. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. My, uh, yeah, my, mine on this side, they're not... Totally 
they can buy it, you know. But I, I told them it's, it's going to stay for a while, you know. It's here to stay. Um, yeah. I bored during our lockdown, and uh, I thought, I'm just going to, you know, just give it a go. Yeah. And, uh, do you know what? I might just take the ball by horns one day and just do it. What's the worst yeah. I can have? I'll shave it off. Yeah, shave it off, man. The, the, main, the main problem is I look too much like my old man. Okay. For, for many years, my dad rocked the moustache. Now he's got, he's got a full beard now, but for many, many years. At least 30 of, <laughs> at least 30 of my 34 years, he had just the moustache. And I've already got I've already got his voice. I've got his mannerisms. I listen to talk sport instead of the radio now. I think it's time yeah. to just take the plunge and just go for the moustache. Just might as well just pump in it and just you know. <laughs> we could spend a whole podcast here talking about a moustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. <laughs> yeah, you have to, man. Now obviously I've um <laughs> this sound, this sounds wrong every time I say it. I come across you on Instagram, obviously. I've seen um, a bit of your work, and then I saw you uh, you popped up on on Gez's uh, podcast, Veteran State of yes. Mind, and I thought, yeah. I'm definitely taking a listen to that. Hey, it's fucking brilliant, mate. And I like I like the fact that you've you've travelled the world. You're now in New Zealand, which, by the way, I've got better reception talking to you in New Zealand than I do with my brother, who lives the other side of England. It's ridiculous. Bizarre. <laughs> Bizarre. It, his Wi-Fi is terrible. I, 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 I say time and time again, it's his Wi-Fi, not mine. And this sort of proves it. So far, <laughs> so far. Touch wood. <laughs> not cool. Yeah. A man of the world, though. So originally from South Africa. South Africa, yeah. Born and raised in uh, South Africa. And I left the country, was in 2000. Um, yeah, I was, I was in two minds what to do. And then I had my... My mom, she she gave me the idea. Just go and travel. Go and now you wanted to to travel. You wanted to go to America. Just just jump on the plane, get a ticket, get a job. Just just go. And then um, that was the last sort of bit of a shock that I that I needed because I felt very sort of constricted in a small town. I say small town. It's 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 quite large. It's a big area. Um, yeah. Then we lived on the south coast of South Africa. Uh, more towards say Durban, and um, yeah, it was. I felt very uh, restricted in what I want. I just everything felt like it was closing in, and I thought I just need to get out. I need to move. I need to. And I've never flown on a big seven four seven, so that was the first <coughs> time I actually jumped on an airplane, and I and I yeah. flew, and I, and I actually left the country. I've, I've never been in a an airplane. I've never been in a helicopter. And, and, um, yeah, so I left in 2000, went over to the UK, walked into an organized job. So there was a visa in Johannesburg that he organized jobs for travelers like me at the time. So the, the job's organized, the accommodation is organized, the visa, everything. Yeah. And I went straight to a town called Evesham. Uh, Evesham. Near, Evesham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near Bristol, uh, Worcester area. Yeah, yeah. And I went straight to Paint. Food and I worked in a big factory there. Um, I didn't see daylight, you know, from seven to seven. Yeah, terrible, isn't it? Um, factory life. Horrible. But it was dark, you know, I was in the country and then there were loads of other uh, Southern Hemisphere people there, loads of Kiwis, Aussies, South Africans, uh, a few Brits. Yeah, and, and, and that's where it started, you know. Um, I loved 
plan. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's mad. That's, that's mad. mad. No plan A, no plan B. I just thought a bag and go. Uh, been, um, and I haven't been back. To... That's 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 a hell of a step. That. How, how old were you when you when you did that? Oh, jeez, I was uh, in my early twenties. Early twenties, like fuck. yeah, yeah. Like to be fair, when my early twenties, I took the big stack. I I I joined the forces, but like my brother did a, a similar thing. He did. He went and did a a project called Camp America, where he went and looked after. Oh uh, yes. Yes, I looked into that. Yeah, yeah, some underprivileged yeah. kids over in America, and I, I was, I was like, that's fucking brilliant. But I always had, I always needed some sort of structure, which is why I joined the military. Um, I, I must have a tiny bit of OCD or something like that. But just the idea of just getting on a plane, going to a country that I don't know, and just going, this will do. I'll, I'll smash this out. To be fair, my old man does it. My, my old man randomly the other. Well, before all the lockdowns hit, he he, he phoned me up. He, well, in fact, he FaceTimed me. And I saw I was reckon I saw he was in a pub. I was like, "What are you doing, Dad?" He was like, "I'm in a pub." I went, "What pub?" He went, "I'm in Romania." I was like, "What the fuck are you doing in Romania, you lunatic?" Man. He just went, "Well, I fancied a holiday." And to be fair, he's he's no longer with me, Mum. So he's got he, he's on the circuit doing a bit of CP work. Okay. <laughs> So he, um, well, to be fair, he's on RST now, so he's in residential because he's seventy years old. So he's he's getting he's getting a good fair bit of fucking monies in in his pocket, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And a bit like me, once he's got money, he needs to spend it on something. So he's like the like bef- again before lockdown, he was like, "Oh, I'm off to Malaysia soon." It's like, what? I think he was pissed when he bought that those tickets. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he immediately regretted it the next morning when he went, "Oh shit, I'm going to Malaysia in a couple of weeks." Fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, it's um, first thing I said, if you're going to go to some of those places, you want to go to well-known tourist places, and yeah, Romania is a well-known tourist destination. But that's what you do, you know. Yeah. Same with me. I felt like I needed to go when I and I left, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah. And obviously along the way, certain doors opened and I went through it and obviously I've changed over the years because mm. I left in my early 20s and I joined the army when I was 26. I think I was the oldest in my intake. You know, one yeah, of the, yeah. My second commander, he was 26. And uh, that for me, it wasn't an issue at all. You know, yeah, we, um, we had a couple of uh, <laughs> old boys, I, I would say. In, in my basic training, we had a, a bloke that was well, he says he was like early thirties, but when you look back at it, you're like, you're definitely you're older than that. <laughs> he was he looked he had a hard paper round, put it that way. He didn't look good. Okay. <laughs> um but yeah, so so I I found it quite refreshing having like the old some some older heads in there because you find that they tend to have a bit more life experience. And then when yes. you're like myself, I was 20 years old when I joined up. And I thought I was quite old going in because you had lads that were 16, 17, yeah. 18. And he was like, what have you guys done? You've just come straight from school. And then you yeah. see you see big Nev with his moustache rocking around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was um, still very, very much shy, introvert um, to myself. myself. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, if they say, can do something. 
go into it to test my ability and more, you know. But then Bitcoin, uh, a unit like that for the army or, or any unit, you know, it changes you. You yeah. go through some changes and then over the years, yeah, the, the self-confidence kicks in and you're a different person. Definitely. And, yeah, and then nowadays it's like I don't really care much what people think, you know. Um, it's, it's, it is what it is, man. Yeah, that's what that's one thing I I've now started to learn. Now I'm in the the next chapter in my life is to take more pride in not giving a fuck what people think. Like, yeah, for so long I was like I always wanted to be liked. I always wanted people to respect what I was doing, etc. Yeah, and if yeah. someone didn't like me for whatever reason, I'd be gutted because I'm like, why don't you like me? What have I done wrong? And for so long, I would keep that sort of burden on me. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell. And it would be, it, I, I suffer quite badly with depression and, and that sort of stuff would really bring me down. Mm. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I need one of those buttons that Joe Rogan's got on his podcast. He's got a cough button. So you can a press cough. it. Yeah, so you can cough and it won't pick up the sound. <clears throat> Excuse me. So no. I do apologise. I've got a bit of a fucking cold going on. Um but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thing, and I think going through life as 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 a man of the world now, like each each well every decade, you could say you're a different person, unless you, unless you sort of stick to the same job, the same people that are in your life constantly, then you'll you will probably never change. But I went yeah. from young Tomo that was a personal trainer. In, in his dad's gym, joined the military, became Tomo, the, the fucking military guy for five and a half years. Kept hold of that for a bit too long, I think. So that was one of my mm. main problems. I couldn't let go, you know. Yeah. And then and then it was, oh, I'm just a security guard. Oh, now I'm fucking Tomo, the depressed ex-squaddy veteran. Yeah. But now yeah. I've sort of come into my mid-30s and I'm sort of like, well, fuck that guy. I'm now doing this. This is this is a better form of myself. Those guys are yeah. all fucking dickheads, but it's all brought me to this fucking next level where it's well, the next yeah. next phase. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, um, and with me, some of the stage where I can control what they think and what they say, but I can control how I react. You know, and I've yeah, yeah. And it, and it never sinks in, but now it does. I can't control, but I can control how I react. But you know, and. I shouldn't let it bother me, you know. If, if if they say good things and they support me, great, you know. But then if they don't, then fine. I mean, I can control that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, how I react, you know. And again, it's... Uh, um, yeah, I went through different phases, different chapters, you know, and there's different characters, so to speak. So I was this civilian, and I was a personal friend as well in South Africa and the UK like, um, for a short while. And then... Uh, you know, hat off, hat on, you know, military, hat off. I've done some CP as well, different hats, yeah. you know, and, you know, family man, not married, you know, um, I've got three amazing kids. So it's all these different hats and different characters, you know, and yeah, it's great looking back into the, into the past, but I try not to stay too much. Yeah. And but it's, it's those times that when I do stay, then I feel like, oh, I need to be done depression, you know, things like, you know, um, things you should have done and you didn't and regrets it and and then you think about what you've been through in the military and it's it's, it's a waste you know you 
Yeah, yeah. It's like you know? I, I've, I've been trying to get into my head now. Like, like I said, I kept hold of uh, the military a bit too long. And it, it was though I wish I hadn't left when I did, which, in, in fairness, I probably think I could have gone a bit longer. But if I did stay a bit longer, I probably wouldn't have had my missus still. Um, she would have, well, that would have ended 100%. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the fact that I couldn't let go. But now I'm sort of getting to that stage where I understand now that I can be proud of what I fucking did. And, oh, and so you should, man. And you should be proud. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm proud of that, but that's not me anymore. Where before mm. it was, why isn't that me anymore? And f- that was the, the main thing for me, was I didn't really take hold of that sort of veteran thing I was I was still in my head I was still serving instead of I'm not this is what I did like remembrance weekend is still is still my favorite time of year as morbid as that sounds but I get to put on the the squadron blazer I get to put the medals back on and I'm like hey Mm. on forces day is the other one but I don't tend to walk around wearing my fucking medals all the time I'm not fucking Uncle Albert from You know what uh, I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. we should be proud because we, of what we've achieved, you know, and we and it's hard to switch off, you know, it's because we've gone through so much, you know, the good times and bad times, but we've together, you know, so you go, yeah, yeah, you, you go to units, you know, you go on deployment, you do it all together, you know, there's this massive bond, and that's for life, you know, yeah, to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm in contact with. People that I've deployed with on various operations. I haven't seen them in years, you know. Some of my closest friends I haven't seen for a long time now, but that bond is still there. So once you pick up the phone, and they're still there, it's as if you, you know, you, as if you've seen them last night. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's always ago. the way. It's always the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's hard to switch off. It's hard to switch from that mindset to, yeah, I'm now in civilian street. I, I have to change my way. It's And um, it's yeah, you have to find what what works for you. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I was quite lucky in the the time that I left. Two of my closest friends literally left at the same time, and they literally live around the corner from me. So if I'm ever fucking struggling, or if I want to go and talk squaddy bullshit. I've got two fucking mates literally down the road. We started a football team, soccer team, as you probably would call it, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> um, well, we did start that for a, for a good few years, and now we're like, can we go play walking football? Because our knees just don't work anymore. Well, the knees and the hips. Uh, it's my, the well, my, as, as most of my listeners know, it's mine and my ankles. I've, I've always had shit ankles. And... Um, yeah, it's my ankles and my knees are just gone. Like my, I roll my ankle just walking down the road. Jeez, <clears throat> yeah, I, we believe it's a hereditary thing. So my, I didn't know this until I had my, I had my old man as a my special guest on my hundredth episode. I had my dad on, and he was awesome. telling me basically, he was basically this is your life. He was going through his fucking life. He had his, he had his notes. I've never had, I've never had a guest who had notes. He pulled out his fucking notebook. It was like going in 1972. I joined the Air Force. It's like fucking hell. Um, 
But yeah, he was he was going through all this stuff, and he said that he almost didn't become a PJI because they told him that his ankles are no good. You can't do it. He told them basically they're fine. I'll do it, and he ended up being one of the top jump instructors in the country. Um, yeah, going to Hereford and teaching them how to jump properly. <laughs> but, but yeah, but we believe that's got passed to me. So <laughs> unlucky. Right. Yeah, but lucky me. Like a dad, you know, you, you get someone that, that you just plant that seed. Like, oh, I don't think you should do that. Or maybe, maybe you should do something else. And then once that's in there, and then you believe it, you think, oh shit, maybe that person's right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I've heard it so many times. You know, it's like, screw that, take the risk, just go and do it. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you're good it, for that, to be you know? fair, he, he is like that. He's uh, I'll I'll do it until I can't do it, sort of. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a top. Top bloke. But before you joined up, you wanted to do uh, bodybuild, was it not? Yeah, bodybuilding. Yeah. Bronco. And for me, because back in South Africa, I grew up and I was this very little chubby, shy, introvert kid, you know, and very shy, no self-confidence, you know. And for me, getting into the gym and training, um, that was my my escape, my way yeah. off, and uh, working on me, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. not a team, it's just me. And and I started with, with training, and um, a friend of mine um, at all these muscle magazines, and, and I started to, to learn about all these famous, you know, bodybuilders at the time. I thought, yeah, I want to do that, you know, because you don't need a team, it's only you. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was for me, I could get in the gym by myself, I don't have to rely on anyone else. And um, and that's where my confidence also grew, you know. And I had my, you know, my mom, my, my mom supported me. My dad probably thought, "What's my son doing?" You know, he's shaving his chest hair and he's shaving his <laughs> legs, and, and he wants to go compete, and he's wearing fake and what's this, you know, weird stuff. Um, but I think he was he was rather uh, proud, and he changed his thought of or his opinion when I did a show. Of, in South Africa and when was it 98 I think it was 99 98 it was and I think he sort of he realized well, hang on he, he's good and you know and he can achieve something yeah. and for me that was the, the dream I was yeah, I want to go to America go to Venice Beach California feel like Arnold and um then I realized well look at it I get a green card all these visa requirements immigration stuff and I thought it's just seems impossible yeah. and then someone said go go to the uk from there then you fly over to america and i thought super you know i can i can do that you know and then i went over to the uk on this two-year holiday working visa and uh that's supposed where you you, where you have to you know work like a um farmer. oh god yeah. Yeah, yeah something else what this call son i work full time as soon as i got there you know or, i'm not gonna know in the back, ah, you're right. It's, it's one of those. Are they going to come and find me in fucking Evesham or wherever you were? No, nah, I don't think so. No, but clue. They checked my passport and um, and that was it. Yeah. And I, I never got any other details. Back then it was so much easier um, yeah. to actually get into the country, get a visa. You know, because um, was it you had to have, and I think it was 30,000 pounds in your account that you bring over. Which I did, 
but that was my mom and my dad's money. And as yeah, soon as yeah. I got so it just looked like you had it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And as soon as you got through customs, I had it back into their account, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just there with my savings. What a what a crazy and then someone rule said, is. What a crazy rule. You have to have thirty thousand pounds in your account. Why? <laughs> I think it was then um, the system or um, government won't. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think. But yeah, it's but yeah, they let they let fucking people over willy nilly on a dinghy and give them benefits. Yeah, but that's that's, so. a, that's, a, that's another story that will will uh, <laughs> get me kicked yes. off air or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You shadow band and band and you play Joe Rogan. Yeah, go full Joe Rogan. Yeah. No, it was it was it was an interesting journey, and then yeah, that dream. But in a way, because you go to a different country, you meet different people. Different yeah, people. things then, change, uh, things change all the time, especially when you're young and you're and you're and you're yeah. doing stuff. And bodybuilding alone, it well, even just going to the gym, I'd say is is it, well, it takes a lot of effort at times. I know a lot of people go, well, it's not. It's only an hour of your day. But when you're training bodybuilding or your personal training or whatever, that is literally your life. Is is the gym. And it is, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, bodybuilding itself is kind of maybe a bit of a selfish sport because it's all about you. You know, if, if you're really yeah. competitive and want to be the best, it, it needs to be all about you. I mean, you need to be very strict, you know, and um, for, for bodybuilders when they're on stage, that's when they at the weakest because your body fat levels are super low. Yeah, of course. You, you, you dehydrate, but, you know, and, um, but again, it's all about what you look like you know it's not yeah yeah did you, did you ever squat. get any uh body dysmorphia or anything like that or are you doing it or were no, you no 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 i'm i know for me um back then it, it was no issue you know and i did also i did two shows in new zealand as well hmm. um but i mean for me it, it, it's easy to to get onto a, a plan eat and train reach that target um look that i want or wait and then once I finish with that, then I'll slowly, you know, pull back up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, for me, it's 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 easy to to get into that mind frame of okay, I'm gonna go for the show. This is what I gotta do. This is my yeah. objective, and I and this is what I gotta do to achieve it. It's it's crazy for me, like how uneducated people um, view bodybuilders. In, in terms of their oh their juice heads they're all they're all on the gear it's like well yeah probably ninety five percent of them probably are but you don't just get massive like that <laughs> just by taking steroids there's a lot of dedication a lot of knowledge in terms of nutrition diet oh, and then massive. and then the actual program in itself of of setting out your goals yeah in the gym. People just think you're a fucking meathead lifting weights. Well, no, there's a lot of sports science goes into bodybuilding. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because you've got to know your your body. You know what works for you. Because what yeah. worked for me back then not going to work now, and what works for me is not going to work for you, and vice versa. So you've got to know. Uh, and if you're really serious and take it to the gym, then you've got to obviously know how much goes into your system, how much protein, carbs, fats, yeah. and, and and how much calories you know per day per meal. You got to weigh that out, you know, because if you obviously want to lose body fat, you've got to go into a calorie deficit. 
Yeah. Or if you want to gain size, you've got to go into, into a calorie surplus, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of science, but, you know, but you don't have to um, go and compete. You can still do bodybuilding and don't take it to the extreme, you know, and still enjoy life and still have it. Yeah, yeah. Go out with your friends and still have a burger and chips, you know. You don't have to take it to that extreme to go and put your body through that much stress, you know. But it's like any other, I mean, super athletes you know when when they train you know they do some crazy stuff oh yeah yeah just 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 this morning to be fair i've been um i must have seen it about 14 times now i I watched the uh the notorious the um conor mcgregor documentary that he put out um and there's a bit where he's going through his weight cut before the chad mendes fight and he's in the he's in getting weighed and you could see his skin's all drawn back in and whatnot. I was watching it with my missus and she was like, what's, what's happened there? I went, he's gone for a weight cut. He's literally depleted his body of water and he's fucking hanging out. She went, yeah. why does he look like that? I went, because he's got no water in his body. I went, he's just yeah. cut all this weight out that he's done gradually through the week. And then, or through the six weeks, should I say, eight weeks, whatever it was. And now he's gone into the last week and he will literally suck an ice cube and be in the sauna constantly and and things like that and i went that and, and that's your and that's what happens and she went what and he fights like that i went oh no you'll wait until the next scene and then the next scene happens and it's the day of the fight and he's ballooned back up and he's back to his normal yeah. oh and he must have put on about 25 30 pounds in a fucking night and, she, and she's like <laughs> how's that how's that healthy when it's not why do you think they all get fucking? You know, i went yes they get punched in the face but that's one of the issues is that their brain and their mind is all fucking dehydrated and they get punched in the head that's mm. why they get all the cte and things there's no fluid in there brains just yeah. bouncing around willy-nilly <laughs> but yeah Crazy, yeah it's just to be an elite at anything is takes a different there's different gravy like yeah it does it's just a mindset education discipline um everything you know Definitely. What got you into writing? Oh, right um, <laughs> good question. Good question. Um, I always had a fascination about putting in a pen paper. Always had that um, reading aspect to it. You know, I loved reading as a kid. And then um, somewhat, I think it stopped when I went over to the UK and I picked up reading just before I actually joined, you know. Um, yeah. My goal then was to join the parachute <laughs> and I thought, "Shit, yeah, that that looks awesome. That looks cool. The elites. I want to go and join." It. And I then just went out to the bookstore and I just got everything I could about parachute You know, Falkland Islands. You know, all dark, all you know, real things mm. that actually took place. I bought those books and I read them from, from cover to cover, and did my. It was a two day selection course at Burbright, you know, and you had to have your, I think, your mile and a half under nine minutes, 30, and I I did it, so they bumped it, bumped me down to my second course, which was uh, normal infantry battalion, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah. I was happy with that, and then the, my reading stopped, it was until I explored again, and I went back into my reading, you know, like, because what can you do? Yeah. You can only sleep or train or, or read, you know, and, and I read books, and, um, then when I went, when I deployed to Afghan, 
I thought I'm going to keep a journal purely to log down the amount of times we got contacted, you know, and the amount of times other folks got contacted, you know, because it was it was a lot. But then that turned into me writing how I felt, the scenic, yeah, you know, yeah. area, because it's a beautiful area, you know, in Sangin River, yeah, yeah. and I started just playing it all onto paper, you know, how I felt anything. I still kept the, you know, the, the amount of contact, you know, what it was, the, the, the time, the duration, and so forth. But then that's spoiled, and then once we finished, I took that journal away in an actual physical shoebox with a few other things with, with my medals, and I left the armed forces. And it wasn't until 2019 that I came across the uh, Dead Reckoning Collective, which is an American uh, veteran-owned publishing company. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know how I got across there. They um, had, I think it was on Instagram, when they had this um, ad on, if you submit poetry or poems, and if it's good enough, it will go into their um, second of, uh, anthology of Howard Warriors. Oh, cool. Yeah. But there was an instant connection, instant click. I thought, heck, I'm, I could do that. You know, it's, it, it was, it, it just felt right. It, and um, I wrote three poems, it was in 2019, and I submitted that. I clicked send and it went. And but in the meanwhile, after that, I, I thought, it's a, it's a release. It's, it's different. It's, it's hard to explain. And uh, I started to write more. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's been, and the floodgates has been open and it's been, non-stop you know and it just um, developed from there you know and at the same time just darren from the bit click he came across my work and asked if i wanted to submit work for for a book that he was going to go self-publish you know yeah, yeah. And, uh, and i did stuff for that as well actually for all three um books in that series and it's yeah it's been non-stop since it's awesome it's awesome I, like I, I sort of mentioned this in the um in the messages to you mm. i used to i used to write poetry as a as a kid as a i used to keep a little red book that i used to just jot well I, I, if i if i found it i'm swear it's in my mum's if i look back on it i'll be like that's that's a bit gay but i'm, I'm sure it, i'm sure it was all right but i did exactly the same as you um on tour i kept a i kept a journal which is how i ended up writing um my book mm. granite zero um they were my journals from Iraq and, and Afghan. <clears throat> um, but even then, I, w- I would jot down poetry as well. I just yeah. found it, But like you said, it's something about the scenery out there. Like, I was, I literally was describing it to my eldest. We walk here, funny enough, we're walking to the pub. And uh, she was saying, oh, Dad, look how bright the stars are tonight. I went, yeah, you should see what it's like when you're in the desert. And when there's no light pollution, so you can literally see everything. Yeah, said, yeah. Oh, what what's it like? And I was like, I was like, Jess, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I went, when you're there, you don't even realise you're in a war zone at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it and it and you look up and it's like I always found like sunrise sunset was was just so picturesque, especially yeah. like when it was coming over the mountains or whatever. And you're like, fucking, this is if this wasn't so if, <laughs> if I didn't hate this place so much, this would be beautiful. Um, but yeah, like. But with me, with my writing and my my journals, mine mine was slightly different to yours, as as you were in proper contacts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mine was more the thoughts and feelings that I was going through because we weren't getting anything. Um, mm. Obviously, I served in the in 
the Air Force Regiment. So, you know, when you're behind the wire, I'm joking, I'm joking. When, when you're out on the ground and, and you, what a lot of people don't get, we go through the same sort of training as, as regular infantry. So we get put into our system the same as you guys. It's we're here to do a job and that's to pull the trigger at times. So we're bred. That's what you do. You're, you're a killer, et cetera, et cetera. And then you sit there and you're waiting. And the only way I could describe my time um, on tours was very similar to that of Jarhead, where he's waiting yeah. for something to happen constantly. That book, seriously, I, I, I watched the movie first. I didn't even realise it was a book. To, to start with until I, yeah. until I think it's until the end where it says this book, this is based on the book of, I was like, oh, I want that. I must've read that four or five times, even ended up getting it on an audio book and I would listen to it while I was um, doing surveillance work. But I was like, this is so similar. Cause it's, you're waiting. It's the constant waiting and the unknowing of what's happening, yeah. but you want something to happen, but you're also, shit scared because if something happens what how am i going to react to that yeah it's but yeah that was basically what mine was all about was the thoughts and feelings i was going through like i was literally the the old the old saying hurry up and wait you were hurry up and waiting for something to happen yeah yeah and then when it did happen i was sat in the fucking command center on the radio (laughs) (laughs) standard Yeah, I uh, I ended up being the the, the lead signaller for, for our squadron um, on my last tour. Basically, I was put on HQ flight because I put my papers in, and they put me on a HQ flight, and they said, "Oh, can you? Well, we know you're leaving. We're going to keep you on HQ so that you don't get hurt, basically." Um, and yeah, the most stress I had was in that command center. It's a so many people don't realize how much of a high stress environment that is. You've got all the big wigs, all the stars, all the fucking barcodes floating about, not mm. knowing what the fuck is going on because they're useless. Um, and unfortunately for me, I dealt with every major incident that happened on my squadron, happened to, on my shifts. Fucking ridiculous. Didn't matter if I was on nights or days. I was getting, I was getting all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking unreal. Even when I even when I came, I went off on R&R, which they stitched me up off. So they, they said to me I could have R&R and that they'd give me Christmas. Didn't want Christmas. I wanted it in the middle of the tour. So it would split the tour in half. Nah. Yeah. They went, no, we're going to give you Christmas. Yeah, they sent me home on, I think it was the 9th of December. <laughs> so I missed Christmas anyway. So yeah. <laughs> fucking more. Let me know. But yeah, um, I've always I've always been an admirer of of writing and and poetry and, and things like that. With with me though, I've I've always been a bit lazy with it. But I know I can do it, but it's like well, I can't bother. It's a bit like reading. I'm at the minute. I'm finally re- I'm reading one of Aunt Middleton's books because my mum got me for Christmas, and I was like, well, I've heard some good things about it. I've heard some bad things about it. Bits of good things yeah. about him. Bits of bad things. I was like, I'll make my own decision. So exactly. I'm, I'm slow. I'm slowly plowing through it, and I'm just fucking. I'm so useless, mate, at reading. My dyslexia kicks into overtime. It's like you don't want to read this, mate. Is there a movie <laughs> on it? <laughs> it's literally, how yeah, I am. Writing and reading, you have to. 
for me personally, in order to, to learn this new skill, this new thing, I have to do it every day. Yeah. I have to read a lot. I have to write a lot. You know. So to get through all the bad shits, to all the bad, all the shit poems and the shit literature, to get through where I'm actually good at it. You know, where it's actually it, it makes sense. You know. Yeah. Um, but it does. It does take time. You know. It does take. It's sometimes for myself if I'm if I sit there and I force myself. It just turns to shit. Yeah, it, yeah. Makes, it doesn't make sense. But then, if this, which I've noticed on Instagram, a lot of people that I do follow and in contact with, they will do a writing prompt, like a 30 day writing prompt. And every day they come up with something else to, to write about, you know. And I find that's good because look at this. I look, I look at it as the objective. This is the thing that you got to achieve. Go and do it, and then I can work on that, you know, and then I can get it done. But if I sit here and I'm not in the mind frame, and if I force myself, it's then it's not going to work. Yeah, but then sometimes it might just you know come to my mind, and I might be in the store getting shopping, and then something pop in, and I thought, shit, and then I quickly have to take my phone, make a few notes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've know, been there before. Um, when I was actually writing the um. The Granite Zero book, and I was trying to put. So I had most of the stuff in the journals, and there was extra bits that I was putting in, um, mainly towards like the start of my life, because obviously it's a, a biography. So it's like I was writing the stuff about myself at the beginning, and it's like the bit um, where I had a bit of a breakdown and whatnot. And when I started the podcast, I was like, "How am I going to put that into words?" And I remember being lying in bed one night, and I fucking restless mind syndrome so i'm lying there and i'm like any chance of me shutting this fucking brain off for a second so i can get some sleep and all of a sudden these thoughts just popped in my head it's like this would be really good for the book and i'm like fuck yeah. fuck, fuck fuck and i pick up my phone quickly open up the notepad quickly type it in yeah 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 that's oh. in the shower i'm standing there showering and then all these Ideas and words and phrases popping. I thought, crap, mm. no, you know. but then I, I've seen somewhere where people have his whiteboard in their shower with a whiteboard marker. I think I'll go that far. <laughs> yeah, you know, house full yeah. of whiteboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just you know, and again, it could be a something else. It could be um, um, music. It could be a song. Yes. Well, for whatever reason, it will trigger something, and then when I close my eyes, it will take me straight back. To yeah, I know, I know, I, I know that feeling. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, or maybe a photo or yeah. an image. Because I tend to switch off anything to do with my operational foods. I tend to don't look into it much. Well, I might have a, a stage where I've looked at certain photos, and then I'll write about that for a while, and then I'll stop, and then I'll write about something else. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it seems to work. Yeah, yeah, I definitely understand the uh, the music thing. The music, the music takes you all over. Yeah, all over. Well, even to this day, there's um there's a few songs that were on our uh, on our pass out DVD. They did a they did a big fucking DVD for us all to have, and it's basically all of our basic training put onto this DVD. And they had loads of different songs. There's loads of like Lincoln Park, Foo Fighters, and things like that. And there's yeah. there's one song by Lincoln Park. Fucking can't remember the name of it now, but it starts and it's like dun, 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 like that, 
and that is literally the scene of us doing bayonet. No way. And there's a there's a bit where our corporal is like marching up and down the line. We're all standing there fucking marching. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah. And uh, and then it's like the and then it like sort of that sort of quiets down, and then it's got the corporal stood there and he goes, Fix bayonets. And we all uh, fucking put the bayonets on, and the fucking rock music goes off. I'm like that. Every time I hear it, I could be in the gym, I could be fucking driving, I've got the fucking um, Spotify on or whatever. That tune comes on, I'm like, oh, I want to go fucking stab some things. Kiss <laughs> you back, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, now, that was that, that, that was some of the best. Some of the best days of my life were on basic training. As much mm. as of a lick out as it was, at the time you're thinking, this is bullshit, I want to quit. But when you look back at it, you're like, That's, that was fucking cool. And I, I do it I do it now, even like me and me, me, and me pal Chris have um, started looking into rifle ranges and things like that. Um, because you take for granted when you're in, a, that, that's your job in the military is to go and shoot stuff for, even if it is just, zeroing your rifle or just doing the range days or whatever or going yeah. to Senny Bridge and you're licked out going up the fucking mountains doing fucking coup de gras on a fucking little target but it's fucking brilliant at yeah. the time I hated every second of it I was like this is shit I'm licked yeah, out I want to go home this is bullshit exactly. you don't appreciate it because when it's gone then you realise oh shit it was actually good you know mm. you get paid to go to certain countries you know to go on the ranges you know off all these all these rounds these yeah. thousands of rounds that you don't pay for you yeah. know definitely my, my uh my brother-in-law just went clay pigeon shooting he was shit he got he got two out of 50 shit um he said to me he went he went he was like sure mate, is, is there any ranges about because that was fucking brilliant when you try firing a fucking gym pee or something mate when you'll be walking around with a fucking boner <laughs> Well, I get the yeah. machine guns on, you'll fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, good times. Is there any? Is there any more coming out, um, veteran collective wise? Veteran uh, collective? No, I don't know. Um, but I'll, I don't think I'll never say no if if they don't approach me, or if they, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll definitely you know sit down and contribute more. Yeah. Um, but. What about the journals? The journals. Um, you gonna come back to them and publish them? Well, I have recently was at the back end of last year. I have signed a a book deal with the the Collect. So um, yeah, I'm I'm busy uh, with the one of the editors. To oh, awesome! So big big picture of your grid on there with the mustache. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There might be something with this ugly mug on there. There might not be. I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've, I've got that beautiful sign to go. So hopefully by the end of this year, it will be out. And it will be all uh, yeah, poetry. Um, That's awesome. That's mind. awesome. Yeah, to be fair, I, I do wish that I, I jotted more stuff down. I've got, I've actually got a little book of poetry upstairs in me, in me drawer that I really haven't got out. I actually stole the 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 so the the name I've put on it because <laughs> that's what I like to do. I like to name them. Okay. So it so it's like that's my that's my poetry book. Like yeah, and it was it's called Whiskey and Wrong Decisions, which I actually then 
stole that title and put it on as my little, I made a little documentary on YouTube, basically about why I started the podcast, the different issues that I had going on through my um, different mental health issues that I've got. Now I wish I was like, but that was my poetry book. Why have I, why have I stole that? I don't have to think <laughs> of a new name. <laughs> Rum and party or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go in and, and, um, and you know, take certain pieces out and go and publish it, you know? Yeah, but I did, um, I sent one out, I can't remember it. It was on Instagram again. It was um, war, war poetry or something like that. I, did, I made a poem about um, a buddy of mine that took his own life after suffering really badly with PTSD. Yeah. Um, Cy Baldwin, so I'll give him a shout out now. Um, I wrote a, a little poem about that, and uh, I sent that over to someone on uh, on Instagram. I can't remember who it was, but that got put on their page with like a, a fucking warry picture on it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, it's something that I probably should do more of. But it's it's also one of those. It's like well, I don't really want to share that stuff. But then yeah. I'm like, well. It, but yeah, one of those things. Why not? You know. Yeah. It, it, it's just up to you. You know. Thing is, if you want to put it on desk or you know take that chip, um, there's a lot of stuff that I I have put out there in the in the you know internet domain, and a lot of stuff I I have you know, and a lot of it I kept specifically for my book. Um, but uh, and then the stuff out there that I will then I will write it, I will think about it, leave it for a few days, and then go and put it out and then i yeah. think then, then there's you know the self-confidence crumbles and i thought oh no shit. people are gonna think it's shit. Well, gonna yeah yeah i'm so I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you in that in that aspect right i got quite a bit of shit for my book um from well that's that's i didn't get quite a bit of shit i actually had it was mixed reviews we'll say so yeah the ones that read it tended to be um those that weren't in the military thought it was good. Those that served alongside me basically said it was shit. Um, <clears throat> which was which was hard to take because it was um, friends or friends, should I say, not friends anymore. They can go fuck themselves. Um, and it's not that I wanted their sort of appreciation of it or their their positive feedback didn't really want any feedback i wasn't the one reading the feedback it was uh, the missus that was reading the feedback and it was getting to her a bit but they put a lot of hate and a lot of nasty stinging fucking words into their reviews shall we say and a lot of it was bullshit a lot of it was attacking the actual writing itself which is understandable it's a book you know yeah but I'm I'm not exactly fucking William Shakespeare when it comes to writing. I'm well, we'll put it this way. It took me five attempts to get a C in English um, language, and I'm English. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so when it when it actually comes to punctuation, spelling, and, and things like that, I, I was yeah. shit. I, I hold my hands up. It's probably not the greatest fucking. Yeah piece of literature you're ever going to read in in terms of that but the actual telling of of my story yeah i thought it was pretty good and yeah, I even had... is, you you told your story you know yeah yeah that's, that's brilliant in, it, in itself 
you know. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's I like to put on my Facebook bio now that I'm an author. <laughs> <laughs> Says Sean Thompson, podcast host and author, and then my actual job is somewhere hidden in the actual yeah small print. Yeah, small, small print. print. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah because I remember when I started my writing, I just kept it all rather. Not secret, but rather quite, you know, because um, I don't share any of it on Facebook. I know a lot of my, um, you know, friends that I work with, you know, from the Berlin, from the regiment, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I keep quiet, you know, because I was afraid of what you might think, what you might say, you know. Yeah, yeah. You might go be all, you know, um, wrong. And then I put it on Instagram. So I, I created this account, put all up there. And, um, it then just took off, you know, and people that are that had different comments or opinions, think in the beginning it it hurt. Yeah. But after a while, you think, well, no, fuck this, you know. Yeah. You know, people worries. Yeah, um, the, the, that's that was the main ones that I had was like some of them hurt for a bit. Like one of them was a a, a well, he was a very close friend of mine that actually was at my wedding. He was part of my guard of honor when I got married and instead of reaching out to me to say whatever he had to say he decided to uh make little stupid videos of me and there was a few others that would make videos where they would uh take snippets of each podcast sort of thing of me saying certain things and they'd make a compilation of it so i look oh, like okay. a fucking dickhead which i thought i actually applauded their um their editing skills because I don't edit any of my shit because I'm too lazy. So I fair play to you. Like, but it took me a while to sort of accept that there's always going to be some sort of dickhead out there that's gonna not like what you do. Yeah. And my brother has always said he was like, don't don't listen to that stuff. He went, don't read the comments, don't listen. Even if they're positive comments, don't you don't need to read them. He was like, mm. do what you gotta do. You're doing the stuff that you need to do and just do it. And yeah, precisely, man. Haters will always hate at some at something. It's like, yeah, you're right. But like I said at the start, I'm one of those that was like, "What? Why don't you like me? <laughs> Be my friend." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we move on, and I I think that quite a lot of the haters that hate are probably the ones that are dealing with issues and are too afraid to say anything about it. And uh, <clears throat> take it out on someone who is actually quite happy to stand there and say, I've got problems. Yeah. So exactly. If if they do have any problems and you listen to this and want to send me some hate, how about you send me some love and I will help you out with your problems that you got in your head. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, you, yeah. Oh, yeah, carry on, carry on. Sorry. Now, even um, you know, if you look at you know writers, poets from the first and second world war, you know, um, mm. phenomenal, you know, British writers, you know, it was it was a thing back then. Yeah, yeah. Know, to have you work out there and write on the front line, and they've been they went through horrendous experiences, you know, a lot of them died on the front. You know? Yeah, and then it was acceptable, but then years later. It sort of became not acceptable, you know, if you, if you write, you know. It was, it was, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? 
frowned upon. And, and, but, but then it's changed. Now you've got this rather big group of veterans that they say that there's a few other British uh, writers that, that I follow, um, you know, um, my work published with. Um, and there's a lot of Americans. It's, so there's this big group now, you know, that served in, you know, Iraq, Afghan, uh, maybe Africa, that's into writing. They've, they've published stuff, they've, they've written novels. So it's no exception. It's kind of bizarre that they will go through these stages that um, where, yes, accept it, it's good, and then it's front upon, you know. Yeah, it's then, strange. It is strange. Bizarre. But it's the same with any sort of hate, isn't it? It's, it takes a lot of effort. Like I've, I, I can't pretend that I haven't done any type of fucking commenting or anything like that. I find myself getting into Facebook arguments all the time. Um, but I'd never go out of my way for, say, for example, you put some work out. Like, for example, say you're an artist and you've done a painting and you put it on your Instagram and I follow you or or I've seen it. I wouldn't go. Do you know what? That's shit. I'm going to tell him that is shit. Mm. Because it's probably not shit. It's just I don't like it. Yeah. You yeah, don't but that's just... social media. It's given them this platform to voice their shit opinion, you know. Um, if it was years back, it would be where they have to write into the magazine or the newspaper and then on the editor the yeah. of the, the painting you've just published, you know, last month is shit. It just... That's that's the negative side of social media. It's given them yeah, that yeah. It, all the all the positives <laughs> of social media. On the, on the yeah, all the positives that you get, and then you get negatives like that, and everyone's a critic. Um, yeah. But it, I've I've always had that sort of thing in my head that they wouldn't come up to me and say it to my face. Mm. Like I wouldn't if if I didn't like one of your poetry poems but one of your poetry good english i wouldn't go up to your face and never made that that's fucking shit mate because there's no need unless, no. unless it unless you knew it was shit and i knew it was shit and we we're having a beard on the pub and just go mate that, that was a shit one wasn't it yeah it was shit yeah exactly but also if, if it was um say you're the editor of this publishing company and after some minute work you and we sit down together and then you say to me in a constructive way, okay, this poem, it might not go with the, you know, with the whole, you know, um, feeling or thought of the book or the manuscript or something is off. This one, it looks good, but it might not go. Or yeah. if you break it down constructively, if you know what, you, what you're talking about and, and you're a good editor, and you can look at stuff and you say, okay, when they first couple of lines, let's take them off, let's change them. You don't say, oh, Nev, shit. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. You say, Nev, let's just change this. Or I like, you know, good effort into this section here, but yeah. you know, it's not going to go. Yeah. But again, it's just giving them this platform. And it's easy. Definitely. I find a keyboard and then knock it out. Definitely. My, uh, my eldest is, she is a whiz in terms of literature and and things like that. She writes short stories at school, and every time she writes one, it ends up going to like the head teacher and the head teacher award and, and things like that. She's actually she's fucking brilliant. And um, yeah, I just love the fact that she she's got that. Like every night, she, we, we literally have to go up to her bunk bed 
and take the books off her bed. She she will go to bed with about four books. She's reading like four books at a time. I don't understand how she's doing it because I <laughs> I physically can't do it. I'm like I'm struggling with one book, and you're there going right. I'm I'm sort of bored of that one for a minute. I'm going to read yeah. this one now. It, she's just in, in, incredible, and I love the fact that she's into that sort of thing. Like yeah, it's it's brilliant. And I, I've yeah. been trying to encourage her to write a bit more. She likes writing diaries. I don't know if she's still doing it. I'm trying to get her. She sort of plateaued a little bit in terms of her writing and unless she's at school. Um, and I believe it's down to her phone. She likes she likes doing her TikToks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Quite funny, actually. Yeah. So we, we cooked dinner tonight, me and me and my eldest for the well, this will be the second time. She what she's getting into like wants to be a bit more independent, I believe. She's getting to that age. And um we were doing it, we're doing a spaghetti bolognese. So we're doing all the cooking and every time, every now and then I'd go and I'd like take a pot or something to go and wash up. I'd turn around and she's randomly, I had, this is what I, I had random noughties R&B music on. So stuff that I grew up listening to was on, on the, on the Alexa. And I turned around and she's doing all these stupid fucking movements. I'm like, what are you doing? She went, oh, sorry, I just can't help it. I'm like, fucking TikTok, innit? You're doing TikTok dances while you're cooking the spag bowl. Get a grip. No. <laughs> your kids your kids into any of that or are they too old to no no well my eldest is um she's 10 so not hey. into what she's into same age as my eldest yeah yeah so and then um after my boy he's eight and my other one is six now she's six do you know what our kids are the same age no way uh, well i've got i've got two so my uh my youngest will be eight 25th this month <laughs> No way. Fucking crazy ages, mate. Crazy ages. Busy all over the place, yeah. So she's into the devices, into the laptop, and they want to play these games. And my boys into PlayStation, but they're not into the violent games just yet. And I want to, yeah. Um, I, I don't want them to be exposed to that just yet, you know. But my yeah. other, yeah, she's same as yours, into reading books, Harry Potter. She's into writing as well. And, and I, I don't want it to lose it. You know? Yeah, I yeah. So, so my, my eldest is really into Harry Potter. Like, mm-hmm. unbelievably. Like, she started reading those books when she was probably... She was probably about five, I believe. Like, she's always been ahead of herself in terms of reading, which is quite yeah. funny, because now at their school, they have this, like, accelerated learning that they have to do or accelerated reading and she came home one day and she was really distraught she was in tears she was like daddy i'm they saying i'm i'm not allowed to read these books because i did basically she gets very anxious when they say it's a test so yeah. basically she has to read a book and they take a test on it yeah. so they told her that she's got to do this test and she started flapping as she does and she fucked the test up which is fucking happens. And I was like, I said to her, I went, what are you all about? And she was like, they said I'm not allowed to read it anymore. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Read what you want to read. If you if you feel like you can read it, you can understand it, read it. When you've been reading Harry Potter since you were five years old, don't let the school tell you you can't read Harry Potter because you didn't take a test on it. Fuck off. Yeah. But yeah, she... Definitely, she's she loves 
Loves Harry Potter. Always has done. Cried when Dobby yeah. died. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I was, even, even down to... So uh, a friend of mine and my brother's is um, Daniel Radcliffe's uh, CPO. No way. Uh, we managed to get her a signed photo. So we went to... <laughs> funny enough, me and my wife met at King's Cross Station. We're, we're talking on the internet, and that's where we finally met, was at King's Cross Station. So yeah. we were on a, a trip around London, and obviously they've got this new Harry Potter sort of exhibit thing that they've got there, where you can push the cart through nine and three quarters. Uh, so <laughs> she's got a photo of her at nine and three quarters doing whatever fucking girls do. <laughs> so I, we took a photo of that, and I printed it out and gave it to my pal, who then got Daniel Radcliffe to sign it for her. And that's literally pride, pride in place on our fucking mantelpiece next to my fucking medals. Fucking signed <laughs> photo of Daniel, her and Daniel Radcliffe. Brilliant. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, I love that. And I love the fact that she prefers to read a book than use a Kindle. Yeah. As yeah. well. She gets that from her, she gets that from a nan. So my missus's mum is is very wordy. She's very uh, articulate. Very we call her bookie, but I don't think that's a word. But she loves <laughs> she she loves <laughs> books. But she's she's more into she has a Kindle, so she'll read it on a Kindle. Yeah. yeah. But uh, my eldest, her bookshelf is full of full of books. Yeah. She keeps she keeps saying to me, she keeps going, "Can I read yours?" I'm like. It's got the the worst language in it. You're not reading that yet. <laughs> Wait a few more years. Yeah. Fucking sea bombs dropped all over the shop on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, where I started writing up there, I was thinking, I'm just getting a bit worried because what if my wife reads some of this stuff, or my mum, or my dad? You know, they, yeah, yeah. They can. Uh, think or interpret that line or the thing differently you know yeah they but, yeah i get i get your meaning on that one that now where i'm gonna put it out there and it's for the individual to interpret it the way they want to you know yeah yeah but yeah man yeah so yeah so similar <laughs> i started off similar to you in terms of um trying to get the kids not to play these violent video games we say until <laughs> until I got Red Dead Redemption and I was playing it and oh, I was yeah. blowing people's heads off and my uh my youngest came over and she was like daddy you just killed someone I was like yeah I know it's cool in it <laughs> <laughs> just shooting people's heads off and then I got then I ended up getting the Assassin's Creed game and I'm fucking oh yeah killing Saxons with a fucking Thor's hammer that I managed to get because I'm awesome. <laughs> but to be fair, they don't, they never ask to play those games. They never come up to me and say, Daddy, can I play Red Dead Redemption? I'm like, no, you can't. Um, but what we what we did get them, and I ended up fucking demolishing them out because I'm awesome. We got a Mario Kart for the Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they were going around there and they were like, Daddy, why are you so good at this level? And I went, because that level came out in 1998. <laughs> Way before you. Yeah. 
before you even a twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely it's, it's hard work, it's busy, it's busy life with having, having kids, you know, trying to you know steer them in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we had it earlier, mate. So, like I said, we were cooking dinner, and every now and then she would, my eldest would disappear and short attention span syndrome, I think. But she was sat on the sofa, and um, I saw her talking to my wife, and I was like, Oh, that looks like a a deep conversation. My oldest is starting to go through the change, shall we say. Um, and we're worried. Get my words right. We're worried that the uh, the dreaded code red is on its way. Um, she keeps getting these stomach aches and and yeah. her, her moods keep changing. Her, she's crying for no reason. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm a dude. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But I saw him sat on the sofa, mate. And then I and then I overheard, <laughs> Mummy, where do babies actually? How do you make babies? I was like, Oh fuck that! I'm shutting the door. I'll cook the spag bowl. Oh, yeah. You you can deal with that fucking conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not I'll ready for same. that. I'll be the same. I'm like, oh, you go speak to your mum. Not ready for it. Get a football. Yeah, well, I had an email from the school and it was like, um, just so you know, in the uh, human studies class that they've got, they will be discussing puberty and periods. I was like, oh, fuck that noise. I was like, I'm, I'm immature as it is and I'm 34. <laughs> There's no way that my fucking 10-year-old daughter is going to be talking to me about periods. That's not happening. Nah, just yet. <laughs> Mum. Yeah, that's what your mum's for. I was like, if we had if we had a little dude, I'd be quite happy to go and go for a long walk and talk to him about the birds and the bees. But yeah, yeah, not not with my little angel. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's probably um, the best decision to send it to your wife. Oh, but my 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 youngest is she's a character, mate. She's so full of sass and she's so full of confidence, like. I've I've always been confident when I, when I um get to know someone I can be quite confident and understand what I'm going for and 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 like like now I'm sort of opened up I can talk to you blah 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 I'm gonna be quite confident that's fine my youngest she could do that fucking all the time she is she's such a character like for example she was eating her fucking bolognese today with chopsticks just because. I was impressed that she could use chopsticks at eight years old because I still can't and I'm fucking old as shit. Um, but yeah, she she's fucking brilliant. She came, she came home the other day and she was like, Daddy, just so you know, got a boyfriend. I was like, sorry? Do you just say you have a boyfriend? She went, yep, his name is Jax. He's awesome. I was like, he's Jax. She was like, yeah. And I went, is he a character in Mortal Kombat? Because... <laughs> That's not a name. Is, is is that short for Jackson? Or she was like, no, it's just Jax. And I was like, did he ask you? She went, yeah. And I went, well, he didn't ask me. Where's the fuck? <laughs> There's a fucking rule here. <laughs> he hasn't asked my permission. Where does he live? <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. She's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I'm the same, you know, when they come out, especially my boy, he'll come out and says, oh, dad, I've got uh, uh, four girlfriends. I'm like, awesome it's great you know you know but at that age 
they don't really know. Don't yeah, yeah. Him. You know, they don't talk to the girl, the girl might talk to him, and then he might think, oh, you know, we boyfriend and girlfriend, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. But the boy will come over to me saying, what's that? The boy that I, I know, the way. what's his name? <laughs> what is your left? You know, my son would come over to me, oh, you, you know, awesome, high five, you know, high five. <laughs> it's awesome that my wife is going to do with the evil eye singing. How can you, you know? Yeah, different rules, different rules. Like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're my angels. I know what boys are like. I was one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's become where, you know, that lad is going to knock on your door and he's going to introduce oh, the person. I'm not married. looking forward to that day. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will, at that, at that sort of time period, I will be then part of a gun club and I will have my shotgun in my house and I will be polishing it as he comes through the door. <laughs> nah. Yeah. If, if I'm honest, I, I would I'd like to be a bit like my father-in-law in that aspect. Aspect. He he was brilliant when he when he met me. Like and the fact that my missus is family, they're all so nice. Like I always said to her, I was like, if we ever broke up, I'd be properly gutted. Not just because I've lost you, but I've lost your family because they're fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like her dad is, he's just the nicest bloke ever. He's a big fucking kid. He's a, he's a 54 year old kid, but like, he was just brilliant. He was just the way he's like, sort of welcomed me to the family as though I was one of them instead of like, yeah. I, I remember one of my exes going around like, and he was ex. He was ex army bloke, I believe. He was weedy. He was hor- he was a horrible, scrawny little scouse bastard. He was horrible, and it, I, he just made me feel like a fucking dickhead when I went round there. And I was like, "Well, you can make me feel like a dickhead. I'm going to go finger bang your fucking daughter in a minute." And I would hate that. Do you know what I mean? I would hate to have that impression on the kid that yeah. he would like. They would then sneak around, like. I'd rather know where they were so I could beat the fuck out of him and serve him to go and find him. With <laughs> your tracker. Yeah. Oh, trackers, mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tracking them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we have to cross that the road <coughs> to, to walk one day. <coughs> yeah, exactly. I'm more than happy to, you know, uh, read a bedtime story to my youngest daughter and have my oldest daughter reading Harry Potter. And being in this moment, because once this moment is gone, it's, it's not going to repeat itself, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It might change. It might want to read different stuff, or might not want to read at all, you know. Yeah, and I, I, I've found little common little things that I've got with with each of them now. So, my eldest is a proper Stranger Things geek. She loves Stranger Things, so. Um, that was our thing too. I watched them all before she even seen them just to make sure they're okay. Um, <laughs> well, no, because I really wanted to watch it. Um, but yeah, that's our little thing. And now my um, my youngest, she came up to me and I was so happy when she said it. She went, Daddy, can we watch Star Wars? It's like, fucking right, we can. Fucking right, we can. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, um, we're currently gliding our way through the Star Wars sagas. She's obsessed with um she keeps calling him baby Yoda and it's winding me up because it's not fucking baby Yoda. It's got his own fucking name. 
his own character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, mm. it, it's just nice. And like growing up, for for me, my common interest with my dad was always football. But unfortunately, that was my brother's common interest with my dad, and he was the eldest. So my dad would go and watch him play football. <laughs> I'll be left on my own. On my own. Um, nah, that's that. That's uh, I, I blew that out of proportion. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Where I was like, I wish we had more of a. That was my thing with my dad, and and yeah. to be fair, now we sort of do. So although he lives with my brother at the minute, um, me and my old man have still we've we've always got that air force connection. That's our that's our thing, which is why I yeah. always say I'm the favourite. I'm the favourite with with both parents, all the grandparents. I'm everyone's favourite. <laughs> that goes back to me wanting to be loved by everyone. I'm everyone's favourite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some connection that, you know, with the influence thing, you know, because both, if, if you talk about that, um, you would understand, you would both know. Yeah, yeah. You anything. You just know. Yeah, exactly. I've literally just um, just got him a, a present. Hopefully, he doesn't. Like, what am I saying? Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this. He doesn't listen to this. He doesn't even know what a podcast is. Um, <laughs> so um, I've just had a, a a frame made for him uh, by a, okay. a by I think his name is John John Cap. Brilliant frame that he's done for him. It's a one that you can open up. You can take the medals out, and then you can take the beret out if you want. But it's, oh, got yeah? the, the, but it's got the, it's got his jump uh, brevet in the corner and then his prison service patch in the other corner and then a couple of photos. So that they're all stuck in the, into the glass, as it were. Yeah. But you can open it up and you can get all the other bits out. Just had that made for him for his, uh, for his birthday, which that's awesome. I was like, I've got to do something like every year. It's like, obviously, every year is his birthday. That was almost a stupid comment. But it's always, oh, when you come down next, we'll go out for a pop of beer and we'll have a good chat. Because I live so far away from the rest of the family, it, mm. we don't tend to have that fucking moment. So it's like, I'm not yeah. there for your birthday. I can't go and give you... And plus, I know for a fact you don't like birthday cards. If I sent him a birthday card, he'd be like, oh, thanks. Cheers. Yeah, but that's almost all dads, you know? Because my dad's it the is, same way. It's <laughs> not a big deal. It's like, I couldn't care less, you know? But the moms and the kids. Oh, if I don't give my mum a birthday card, fucking she hits the roof, mate. Genuinely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I got to do, like, she says, I don't really want a present as long as I get a card. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Do you see flowers? Yes. Always send flowers. Yeah. yeah. Flowers on a card. Then I'm, then I'm the golden child again. Even, even though I live all, all, the, all that way down. Yeah, favourite mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't be. If I get if I just have the tash, she'll literally think I'm my old man and she won't like me then. So uh, gotta think that through. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult. Or even we we go to your old man, you have it, and we go and see your mom, maybe shave it off or have it all. Yeah. Yes. See, that's a tricky one because my missus hates it when I'm clean shaved. Which I always try and remind her, I'm like, I was clean shaven when, when I met you. So 
Strange one. Yeah. Who are you going to keep happy? You know, that's the thing. Exactly. Gonna... I've got to keep someone happy. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. last, last time I went, so usually it's if I have a job interview or something like that, I'll go clean shaven because I think it's a better impression. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember I did it for, for the job that I currently have now, which would have been like three years ago or so. So I went clean shaven. I came downstairs and my youngest was like, who the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> Not in those words, I hope. But she was like, who's that? I was yeah, like, yeah. Stabby. She was like, oh, is it? I was like, oh, you oh. know who I am. You can tell by the ears. <laughs> so you got got much much more planned for the day? A bit of writing? Um, day off, no. Um, yeah, I just really want to um, work on getting this book out with uh, the Dead Reckoning Collective. So we're working with the editors on that one. Um, in the meanwhile, yeah, I'm, I'm still... Um, Starting things down because I think eventually when this book gets released after that I would like to maybe venture into something else maybe a novel maybe a biography yeah. maybe uh, a memoir I think maybe a memoir something like that where uh, I want to branch from that because I really I enjoy the process I enjoy getting what's ever going on in here getting on yeah, yeah. then there is something for my kids to read one day you know yeah. and again like I said before I think I mentioned on social media where all these notes, all these scribbles, all these, you know, poetry, when eventually will make sense to them one day. You know, yeah, yeah. Them. And uh, yeah, so so that's the plan. But in meanwhile, yeah, I do make time to put something to paper, you know. And that's also Or maybe if I get up early enough in the morning and get that done. But so yeah, so far, that's the main aim to work on that and get, a, get the final things um, sorted. And give that book out, um, yeah, and then maybe after that, who knows? You know. Well, you, you make your novel, and then that will get caught up, and then end up as a screenplay, and then you'll have your movie. You never know, man. Yeah, you never know. know. It's, it's not watching as who you know. If you know the right people, it's yeah, exactly, exactly. You know me, so, and I know no one. So don't use me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm pretty sure that you know a few, a few people. Eh? I'm pretty oh, sure that you know a few I know a couple. I know a couple of people. Yeah, well, there you go. You know? I, know, I, I know the uh, the bodyguards for uh, Daniel Radcliffe. So, you know, there's there's your star right there. He, he could well, play. But yeah, exactly. So I could get hold of him by you to get in touch with the, the writer who wrote the books. What's her name? I've got a name. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in touch with her and then organize something where I can, you know, the two of us can combine our words and make this um, fantasy military. There you um, go. Bosh, we saw well, it. We done, done it. You, heard it. you heard it here first on the Grand Zero podcast. Exclusive. That's my day done. That's what we do. That's what we do. We connect. <laughs> we connect. Oh, that's awesome. But Big Nev, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. I've enjoyed this. Genuinely. Me too, man. No, thank you. I could, I could have you. done this for a few more hours, but I know that a certain person will start going, why aren't you in, why aren't you in yet? Because I'm in my happy yeah. place. That's why. Man cave. I'm in my shed. Drinking. Yeah. 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 But no, it's happy. been brilliant, mate. I really appreciate, no, you. appreciate you coming on. As, as I always say, it's been an honour and a privilege to have you on. So thank you very much. No, thank you, man. I uh, appreciate the time. Um, and I have to you. say, this is... 
one of the first times that we've gone through the whole fucking episode and there hasn't been a cutout or a huge technical difficulty. So that just proves it's not my internet. It's all yours. So because Big Nev is in fucking New Zealand. Winning. <laughs> Happy yeah. days. Happy days. Cheers for coming on, big man. Thank you, man. Catch you in a bit. Yep. Cheers, mate.